Welcome back to today's show, where we're going to discuss the eight steps to doing more property deals. Eight steps. Oh, I thought you just had to go out, view a property and put an offer in. What, what, what's the other steps? So we have a methodology that we, we make sure that we follow through. Um, we teach our students. It also helps focus our minds on exactly what it is that we're doing when we're going out and viewing property. So one of the things that we start with, so we have a method and it's eight steps and it's based around the word investor. So it's a sequence. So each, each letter of the word investor makes up a different step for the process. So the first one is I for identify. So that would be around identifying your area, finding a high yield area that you might want to go and invest in and identifying your strategy. So for instance, you might decide you're going to do high cash flow and you would align that with your reason why. So identify your reason why. So this is about making sure that we're always coming back to where we started from. Very often people want to go out and do property and they don't know where to start. So this is about just giving you a framework so that you can just follow the process. So if you want to change areas, you have to sort of go back to the beginning and start the process all again. So start at I again. So that's I for identify. It's like a roadmap, isn't it, that we yes. give people? Yeah. So I identify N for numbers. So the numbers element obviously is really important when it comes to property investing. But a lot of people don't really get the numbers. You're an accountant, so they come easy to you. People sometimes stutter, they stop when they see spreadsheet or hear yeah. people talking about spreadsheets. And then they feel that they haven't got the skills to move forwards. So is it important that you need to know all of these skills for those that don't understand the numbers? How can you help people that don't get it? Yeah, well, we don't all have the same skills, do we? So I think you have to identify in this process which part of the process you don't have as a natural skill set. So you might want to actually get somebody to come in and help you do the numbers. Um, you can work with a coach, a mentor. You could work with a buddy or a mate that's that knows their numbers really well. And maybe there's some skill you've got that you can help them with. So mm. it's about working in partnership with people who can fill the gaps that you haven't got. But numbers is really important because we are going into property investing with money, with our other people's money or our money. It's still, you know, it's emotive. If you've worked hard and saved money, then, you know, you don't want to waste it. If yeah. you're borrowing somebody else's money, you certainly don't want to waste it. So that I don't see any scenario where getting the numbers wrong is an option as such. You need to actually make sure that you're doing property but on but, purpose. But it doesn't have to be you. You can ask yes. somebody else to do those numbers with you to double check yeah. your figures. Because what we don't want people are going and making you know, bad deals, making bad decisions and trying to make the numbers work because we see that a lot. Now, when we talk about single lets, now, actually, about two weeks ago, I was talking to somebody on one of our programs, and they just put an offer in on four or might have even been five single let properties. And I asked them for the numbers, and they couldn't give them to me because they didn't know them. So I said, what's the return on investment? What's the yield? Um, what's your cash left in? What's the monthly cash flow? And the only figure that they knew was the monthly cash flow, which came in at about £200 per property. Now, that's before tax. So those numbers to me don't work. No. But they've gone on because they've heard people talking about single lets. He wanted to start, wanted to get a foot on the ladder and has gone out and bought potentially four properties that aren't going to work because he hasn't done his numbers. Exactly. And this is what got 
the country into trouble in 2007, 2008 with a credit crunch because people were buying for capital. They thought that it was yeah. a great idea to go and buy property. They weren't stacking up that the cash flow actually worked. Well, as soon as you have to, if you've got three or four properties and the interest rate goes up, mm -hmm. which it might do, um, then potentially you're going to be, you're going to have more costs and how much margin, how much sensitivity does your, your, your monthly cash flow have before it becomes a negative. Mm -hmm. Now, four properties that bring in 100, 200 pounds a month are very different to four properties that lose 100 to 200 pounds a month because you have to go and find that money from other sources to put into the pot. Mm -hmm. And that's not much fun. People don't take the tax into account their own when they stack the deals and the numbers. It's so important. They don't take into whether you're a sole trader, whether it's corporation tax or any of that. And they just look at these headline figures and very often it's very, very different. So it's so important on, yeah. on success. Now, whilst we're talking about numbers, the other element is that the property market is really hot right now. It's really busy. The prices are somewhat inflated. But if you're buying for cash flow, it doesn't always matter that much on whether the property market dips or whether the property market stays as it is because you're still getting paid each month on residual income. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you're not too highly leveraged, because if you're too highly leveraged, um, when you come to to look back at your in, your interest rates and go onto a new product, for instance, you may, if property prices have dropped and you were at 85% loan to value, for instance, and now property prices have dropped, you may have to make up the shortfall um, in your mortgage to be able to get onto another deal, or you might have to stay on variable. Mm. So you you lose some choices around that. So you just need to be mindful of of that scenario. But other than that, I, I completely agree that actually, if you're in the market to um, to buy property, don't buy property by accident. Buy it on purpose. And yeah. then, if you're buying something on purpose and you're going in having stacked your numbers, you know when your payback is, for instance. Um, how many years it's going to take to get all your money back if you're putting deposit in, if you are buying over market value potentially or at the peak, then I think that's going in with your eyes wide open. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've done, what have we done? We've done, we've done identified, numbers. we've yep. done numbers. Yep. And then we've done viewings, haven't we? So the next letter is V and that's for viewings. And we did that on a, on a show yes. last week. So we, we covered viewings from the point of view of the take massive action, go out there, do lots of viewings. But of course, we have some students in our courses who are from Hong Kong and they use other people to come and do viewings here in the UK. So there should never, ever be a scenario where you're buying a property without viewing it. Yeah. And the way that you carry out that viewing um, and what you're looking for, we cover, you know, the things that you're wanting to check for Japanese knotweed springing into my brain for some reason today or um, any kind of structural stuff. If a property's smelly, then I wouldn't necessarily get too worried about it if it's got bad decor. Smelly to me encapsulates the whole, it needs decorating, it's a bit grotty, it might need a new kitchen, it might need a new bathroom. But essentially, the house is fine, it's a good standard construction. You don't necessarily need to worry too much mm -hmm. about the kind of, um, you know, the decoration as such. So that would be, you know, what I would immediately look for as viewings. What what would There's you... No, I mean, you mentioned, you know, don't buy a property without viewing it. People do. Yeah. And in this hot market, sometimes people just don't want to wait around. They just want to put an offer in. Mm. Now, that might work for you if you've got loads of cash, you're experienced anyway, and it doesn't really matter if you get thrown a curveball because there's something wrong with the house. If you're a new investor, 
And if you've not got a lot of experience and cash is is tight, then I would suggest that you do a viewing yeah. first. But it doesn't have to be you. Now, if you are an overseas investor, and we've got loads of overseas people that watch this program, I was actually doing the stats this morning. Got lots of people in New Zealand that, really? that tune into the program. But so if you are looking to invest in the UK and you're an overseas investor, there are companies out there that will do it for you. Now, there is a company called Vuber that can go out and you can pay them, give them the things that you're looking for. They'll go and conduct the viewing on your behalf. Get involved in a networking group. Join my HMO and property community group on Facebook. Ask someone to go and do a viewing for you. There are people out there that will do it. But I think, you know, you mentioned Japanese not read. That's one thing you need to know what to look for. You've got dry rot. You've got damp. You've got rising damp. You've got movement of the property. You've got joists that you need to look at. You know, all of these things are really important. And of course, you wouldn't buy a car, generally speaking, without having driven it first. So if it's not you, get somebody else to go and view the property. It's really fundamental. And if you're a new investor, always have a survey. You know, this is peace a business, of peace of mind. Yeah. We're creating a business. We've got to build those foundations and we've got to do it properly. And we don't want them to crumble in six months, 12 months time. Absolutely. I think you, as well with the, uh, the point of this process, the investor process is it works anywhere. Yeah. So there will be things that are relevant in your country, in the New Zealand laws versus the English law. The process itself is a framework that you can hang how to go and start in property, the things you need to consider to make sure that you're buying the right property. So the next letter in the process, so we've done I, identify, N for numbers, uh, V for viewings. Now we're on to E, and E is about evaluate. So evaluate is making sure that once you've done the viewing, that it works for you, that you go and do your due diligence. So if you want to add value, you want to refurb it, you want to put that new kitchen in, that new bathroom, are you spending money that's adding value to the property? So you can make sure that you're not overspending and going into effectively ownership that's negative equity because it's quite easy in property to spend money, isn't it? Yeah. So some great examples are, People are always asking about HMOs, you know, should I do en suites or not en suites? Mm. Well, as soon as you That's start- a whole different show. I know, I know. We won't go there. But if you're doing six en suites in a three-bedroom semi-detached house, you're, you're fundamentally spending a lot of money just by saying that sentence. Mm. And that doesn't always translate into added value for that property. So you're not necessarily- But it could be added rent. It could be added rent. But I think less voids. But you will overspend for the value of the house in the street. Yeah. So if you have a good example, particularly up north in the UK, you can buy a house fifty, sixty thousand. Well, if you're going to put six on suites in, you're probably pushing back to brick a fifty, sixty thousand pound refurb. Now, so we've got a fifty thousand pound purchase, fifty thousand pound refurb. You've now got a hundred thousand pound cost of a house in that road. So is that house going to be worth 100,000 mm. when the, you purchased it for 50,000? Yeah. So it's just about making sure and we call this like forced equity. We want to make sure that we're forcing the value into property. So that's our I mean sometimes you can you can raise that ceiling price in an area. Yeah. Sometimes slightly, but in certain areas and you know you mentioned up north, certain streets up north, the house is only ever going to be worth 50,000. No matter how much you spend on it, yeah, you can spend one hundred and fifty thousand on it. You could put gold taps in every room, and it's still only going to be worth fifty thousand pounds. So you do have to be very, you know, very careful with your spend 
just touching on en suites. Do you remember we used to be able to do en suites, everything in with stud work, plastering, electrics, building regs, and all of the, uh, the en suite furniture, the toilets and the baths the showers, etc., for £1,500 mm-hmm. for an en suite. Mm-hmm. You're not going to touch the sides with that now. No, I know. Prices of costs, the, yeah. The, I mean, I think most of our students now are being quoted three, three and a half thousand now yeah. for an ensuite. It's really worrying, actually, isn't it? You know, kind of the, the, the escalation in bill costs, but that's another subject. It is. Right. So what have we done? So we've done identify. Yep. We've done numbers. Tick. We've done viewings. Tick. We've done evaluate. Done. Now we're going to cover sign. Sign. So what does sign mean? So sign is about how you control the property. Now we we know most people go and purchase their main home. They're used to that process. So they go through a conveyancing process. Now in the UK, we have um, the UK land registry system, so, and particularly in England. And if your property is registered on land registry, they have a commitment to make sure that your property is um, as a t- title deed, that any charges are registered against it, any mortgages, any debt. So they have this system. So it's quite a secure process. And that's why conveyancing the traditional purchase is quite long-winded. But that's the, kind of the normal process. So when you're signing for property, that is what we know. There are also other ways. So you don't necessarily need to buy. Mm-hmm. You can also um, do lease options yep. and you can also do rent to rent. You can also work with joint venture partners. You could set yep. up a limited company. Have exclusive lockout agreements. Yeah. Exchange um, with delayed completion. Yeah. Management options as well as lease options. So this module, the, the kind of the, the what's number are we on? I-N-B-E. S for sign. So we're on step number five. The sign process is about how, what bits of paper do you need to control the property so that you can go and cash flow it? And that's not always the purchase. People think of signing on the dotted line, mm. signing a, a, um, a full purchase, but there are other ways of getting contracts done. I think I need to raise this point here. And we were giving race, human beings. We like to give, we like to please, we like to help people. So what I'm going to say here is that always make sure you commission your legal documentation from yeah. a lawyer mm. and always suggest that your seller or your joint venture partner does the same. So whether you're going into business with somebody, whether you are going to take on a property on a rent to rent, on a lease option, whether you're going to do an exchange of delay completion, always make sure you commission your documents. Now, if you do happen to stumble across a document on the internet or somebody offers it to you, it's not necessarily going to be right for you. Yeah, It was commissioned for somebody else. You don't know whether the legalese is going to be the right terminology. You don't know whether the law's changed. And if you ever have to test that document in court, and if the deal mm. falls apart and you do have to stand there and go through the document and rely on it, it's not guaranteed it's not going to be full of holes. Exactly. So always, you know, for the sake of, I don't know, I think we're getting lease option agreements done for about £900 now plus VAT. So it's a business expense, but you've got it and you've got it's an the investment. professional. It's an investment. Yeah. You've got your professional indemnity of the of the lawyers to fall back on in case things go wrong. So I just implore people, please do it properly. And you made me think as well, right, that during, when you were talking about that, is one of my top tips would be, and I just hope this this really helps you, is if you borrow money from family or friends, that you get a loan agreement drawn up. (laughs) You must do that. It is the one scenario that people think they don't need 
the paperwork. They don't need the lawyers, but yeah. you absolutely do. And especially if you come up with a deal and shake hands in a curry house after five or six bottles of Tiger beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's one of the scenarios where if it, you don't want to fall out with family and friends, you, you want to protect that relationship. But when money gets involved, it gets very, very complicated. And people forget, don't they, what they've discussed? Yeah, they do. Know? Because you might a think in, in six months' time that your joint venture partner, your family member, will say, well, where's my money? Well, so, well I didn't say you could have it yet. I said that you've got to wait yeah. a year or two years. Yeah. Or they could come back and say, well, hang on a minute. You're not getting involved in this. I'm saying, yeah. well, actually, I said I didn't want any involvement in this. You were going to run it. And it just becomes convoluted. Yeah. The piece of paper protects you. So that's, um, that's sign. So now we're moving on to um, number six, which is T for transform. So transform. Transform is maximizing your return through design. Yeah. And who's heard of this word called saturation? I use this word a lot now, actually more. I think I've saturated the word <laughs> because everyone's talking about soggy. saturation. It's very soggy. Or moist. people that don't understand really, you know, how to market your business will say, look, the market is saturated. The area is saturated. Now, we do a little, of, uh, a little bit of an exercise very often when we do our cohorts for our mentees. And we open up Spare Room and we do it live and we just search for properties in our area and we look at the condition of the photos and we look at the style of the advert and the overall selling experience. And I can say that 80% of those that we look at are just appalling. They're awful because they're your 1970s slash 1980s magnolia wallpaper, brown teak furniture, not dress rooms, no curtains up, no blinds, bare mattresses. There's no design involved in it at all. There's just nothing. Now, if you flip your mindset and if you go for, it doesn't have to be expensive either, but go for a boutique type property that absolutely pops on the photos. Not only are you going to get more viewings, you're going to get less voids and you can charge more rent. So when we talk about transform, it's going from that stereotypical Rigsby type old fashioned property into what is now accepted as a really high end boutique type property where you're going to have less voids, you're going to make more money and you're going to bring yourself into that top end of your competition. Now, if we think that 80% of the stock lies in that middle market where the brown teak furniture, magnolia wallpaper sits, but yet there's only about 15% in the top end, then the saturation level just goes because you're in a different market now and you're competing against a lot smaller market, which means you'll get more people come to you over everybody else. And that's why the transform element is really important. Yeah, massively. And I'd love to be able to show you the numbers around this one day but it, rick was talking about avoiding voids uh, less marketing costs it, it's a huge overhead yeah. to have a property that is not very marketable you know, we did a, we did an exercise lorraine last week i think and we looked at a property in our area and then we looked at one of ours because they were both on spare room yeah that property in our area is still there we're fully occupied now yeah we're completely fully occupied so because i did this yesterday and did i looked you? i went online i found the property that we were talking about and then i tried to find one of ours and like, we haven't it's got gone. any we've got yeah. nothing listed because we're fully occupied do you do you remember that advert we looked up and there was um it was it was a live advert and i'm, pr- I'm pretty certain we took a screenshot and they were talking about how um it, it was a live-in sort of landlord but yeah. there was a dog something to do with a um 
what did you say? If you don't mind sharing your bed with my dog or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it was just like, it painted the worst picture <laughs> I mean, ever. I mean, I love dogs, but you know what? I'm not going to like... <laughs> yeah, you don't really want somebody else's dog annoying you. So, so that, that is transform. transform. Don't overlook it. It's really, really important. And yeah. you don't have to have a huge budget to get to these super high-end properties. You don't have no. to have a huge budget. No. So the next one, Lorraine, is Occupy. Yes. So Occupy is about finding your your ideal tenants, yeah. about finding your ideal guests. And often the part that people get scared about, that they, they love the transform process. They want to go and, you know, choose the colours, choose the throws and get 20 cushions and put them all on the bed and annoy um, all the men out there because men don't seem to like cushions. Only because you've got to take them off to get into bed. I don't see the point. What's <laughs> the point? <laughs> um Anyway, we digress. So Occupy is about making sure that you you have behind you a full system and process to make sure that you're doing property well, that you are compliant, that you have nothing to worry about, serving tenants' notices, and understand that even if you're going to use an agent, I would highly recommend that you yeah. know at least some of the basics of tenant law. So you've got to get it right because yeah. tenants not only are our customers, and I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. As landlords, we think, oh, you know, tenants complain about this and they complain about that. They're our customers. Yeah. And if a customer walked into a shop and wanted to return something, then you'd give them their money back. You know, you want to keep that goodwill. And I think we've forgotten that as yeah. landlords. And I think we need to bring that back in. Let's treat our tenants as customers. The more happy they are, the less voids we've got, the more money we're going to make. So it's a win-win. Yeah. But you've got to get it right because without them, we don't have a business. Now, very often people say to me, I want to go into property and cut my teeth on single lets because I think that the tenants are less work than they are for HMOs. Mm. Now, the tenants are the same, whether it's a single let property or a HMO. It's no different. It's all down to you and you and your due diligence because you could get somebody in a single let that you've not done your due diligence on properly and they could be just as much of a problem as that person in a HMO. So I just put it out there that the property doesn't define the tenant, the tenant defines the tenant. So yeah. you've got to make sure you do your due diligence no matter what strategy you choose. I think we probably actually have more challenges from singly let properties than we do we've from done more HMOs. evictions yeah. over the last 10 years from single let properties than we've done on hmos yeah because people have a, a, a f in single let properties they have a feel of ownership yeah. that it's their space yeah um whereas in hmos so they are obviously sharing so they do become um i don't think it has quite the same emotional attachment okay so now um the last step so we've done i for identify n for numbers B for viewings, E for evaluate, S for sign, T for transform, O for occupy, and we end up on R for repeat. Just do it all over again. Yep. Simple as that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the cookie cutter. Yeah. So once you've done this once, once you move from being an accidental landlord into a professional investor, you've got a professional property business, you just keep doing the same thing. You scale and grow. Scale Simple. and grow. Keep doing it. That was a really good workshop. I hope everyone enjoyed that. If you did enjoy that, please leave a comment. Make sure you leave a review and don't forget to hit that subscribe button and click on that like button if you're watching on YouTube and we'll be back here for the next show. I don't even know what the next show is yet. We've got so much planned for yeah. this show in the moment. So it is exciting. See you on the next one.